Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And you know, Tom is here. Yes. Tom Dorian. So Tom, glad Tommy, I'm Tommy, here Tommy, with Tommy you. Tommy Dorian, Ryan, Ryan. Yes. You like that? I am so glad you're here, Tom. Thank you. We missed you. You missed our last show. Uh, but, I did miss your last show. But you're here now. Yes. Uh, so, And that's exciting. I really missed the honey buns. I understand. Good I understand. Stuff. Uh, well, you know what? We can't always have everything we want. That's true. But we can ask. We can. Transition we into go. our topic. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. So how do we ask? We ask in prayer. Yes. Right. So we're going to talk today about prayer, but more specifically, we're going to talk about the perfect prayer. The okay. perfect Catholic prayer. I agree. And so people who are driving along right now going, what is the perfect Catholic prayer? <laughs> We're going to tell you. We're not going to make you wait to the end of the show. Yeah. We're going to tell you at the beginning of the show. But Keep dangling it. Keep but, dangling it. But as we do, one of the things that folks come up and talk to me about, and I don't know if you've heard this before, but Catholics get knocked a lot for you know, repeating prayers, using what, right. what people will call repetitious prayer. You're right. The fact that we memorize prayers and we mm-hmm. know all these things like the Hail Mary and the Glory Be and... And even in our liturgies, we are repeating words of those who have gone before us in these these great liturgies, and so we're and we're, a lot of times we're just repeating prayers. That's a good point. Right? So people say, well, you know, you guys ought to make up your own prayer. Right. Why do you have to have some old dead guy's prayer? Right. Right. And so, and a lot of times they will quote from scripture to say that we shouldn't be just doing these these mindless memorizations and and right. spouting off words, and they'll use. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Right? That's Jesus. Jesus is saying that. Yeah. And that's, it's true. He is right. Heaping up empty, empty phrases. So like we're going to say he's wrong. No, we'd never do that. No. We'd never do that. But what's so interesting about this mm-hmm. statement that Jesus makes, mm-hmm. and that gets kind of launched at Catholics a lot, mm-hmm. is that just two verses later, Right. Jesus gives us a prayer which is repeated by billions and billions of people yes. over the last 2000 years. You're right. Right? So that that Protestants, Catholics, you know, so right. many people pray this particular prayer and it's the our father. Right. So Jesus says don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. You know, no, don't just throw a bunch of words at God. Mm-hmm. Instead, Pray like this. And then he proceeds to give us the Our Father, which we all memorize and we use uh, over and over uh, verbatim. Right. Now, I know that there's also the possibility and the understanding and the reality that Jesus was giving a way to pray that we would look at the Our Father and we would yeah. see how he structures that Our Father prayer. Yeah. Recognizing who God is, saying we're sorry for our sins, please, and then asking for things. Right. Right. Telling we love him and. Now, Lord, we want some things. Yeah, he's given us the how-to with the words. That's exactly right. Right. And so it does help us to understand how to pray. So when Catholics pray without memorizing, and we do that, yeah. we, have a, we have a way that we can pray. But at the same time, these are the words of Jesus, and we treasure these words. And not just Catholics, but Protestants and Oak Absolutely. will also know this, this prayer. Absolutely. So, but... Here's the thing is, before Catholics start getting all puffed up and saying, you know what? Dang it. I just proved all those Protestants wrong. You know, they right. they, mem- <laughs> they memorized that prayer, too. 
That's not the way it works, especially since the fact that if so many Catholics now, when they pray, and we use the Our Father is in the Rosary and so many other uh, settings of prayer, right? So many liturgies, et cetera, et cetera. We will say it in a mindless way. We'll say it, and we have it all memorized. We'll end up saying it so fast sometimes that Can't you know how we. What the words are. Well, if we get derailed, if we somehow get stopped, we'll we'll get lost in the middle of the prayer and have to go back to the beginning to start it over again. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't remember where we were. Because right. we weren't paying attention to the words. Mm-hmm. And if the Lord gave us this prayer. Probably need to slow down a little bit. And listen to the words. Yeah. Figure out what those words are. So that's what we're going to do in the show today. We're okay. going to take the Our Father. Great idea. And we're just going to kind of talk about the words in the Our Father. Okay. So we're going to start with that first word. All right. <laughs> well, you know, Our. Yeah. Okay, so we start with the word Our. Now, before people drive along go, wait a second, this is only like a 30-minute show. He's going to do this word by word. It ain't going to happen. It'll get faster at the end, trust me, because we're going to use more words as we get there. But, All right. But it's important that we look at the very, from the very beginning, our. Yeah. This is an important concept. That we need to realize that when, when Jesus says our Father, that we pray our Father, we're not praying to my Father, his Father, her Father, their Father, a different Father. We all right. have different fathers. We recognize that there is one God yeah. and that he is the God of all. So right? he is ours. He's our father. He's not mine. He, exactly right. So he's not my personal God. Right. Now, he loves me personally. He created me and gave me dignity, and, and, and I was created in his image and likeness. So there is that personal relationship with him. However, he belongs to all of us. Right. In terms of being our father, we all have God as our father. And see, that's an important concept because how many of us, I know you never do this, Tom, but I have some problems with some of my neighbors. I was getting ready to say, so that, does that mean that you're my brother? Well, okay. Oh my God! Yes, that's all. That's that's all true. That's scary. But I guess we we see this concept of the body of Christ in mm-hmm. in the hour of our Father. Exactly. And and that also includes we we see this concept of our Father meaning that you know even those people I don't like the people that annoy right. me my enemies. Yeah. God is their Father too. Yeah. So there's that that union that we're we're supposed to be expressing, and sometimes we have difficulty doing that. Absolutely. So we should not be separated by race by creed. By you know whether it's skin color to educational level to social status to power and money we we should not we can't separate ourselves because we all have the same father we do right and we all have a right to that same father we do he created each of us in his image and likeness so important word so let's go to the second word all right father there you go now a lot of people may disagree with this but you know he didn't say pray like this our mother. Right, And the reason why I say it that way, not because I don't like mothers. I love my mother. I love mothers. Mothers are great. They're necessary in the world. They're the best. But God revealed himself as a father. Right. And when we look at that, we we go, wait a second. God revealed himself as a father. Mm -hmm. And so we we need to start to think, well, is there something here he's intending? Does he want us to? Well, as we look in the way the church teaches and we look at 2,000 years of this understanding of God the Father and Jesus the Son, we start to realize that there is this sort of, and, and then Holy Mother Church as the mother. Right. Right? That, There's some order. That there, there is an order, especially in terms of family. And so we, as, as me as a guy, look at this and go, well, God is calling me to something. Right. All right I'm supposed to, to imitate him. I'm supposed to reflect him. Right? I'm created in his image and likeness, so he wants me to be a good father. Absolutely. So that that gives me this that gives me this this charge, this responsibility to be a good to be a good dad. Sure. Right to be a good son. And that's that's what I'm called to be. Now, 
for women, we're, we're called to be uh, recognizing God as our father. And so we would recognize the authority that comes from father. Right. And we see that natural relationship between father and mother. Right. And so it's a beautiful thing. So especially as guys, you know, this our father, this concept of our father, mm-hmm. it reminds us, you know, the perfect example for family, dads, the heads of, head of the household. But also it reminds us of our spiritual fathers, the role, the importance of a spiritual father, of our priests. Right. Yes. Right. And then we see that there are problems in the society. I don't know about you, but I, I think that when we have uh, we have uh, breakdown of, of the of the of the human family. Yep. Right. When you have these fatherless families. Yeah. Society starts to break down. Exactly right. So you got yeah. kids growing up without a dad. Yeah. Well, that young man is not going to have a dad or that young woman is going to have that strong, that fatherly influence in her immediate life or his immediate life as a child. Mm-hmm. That's problematic. It is. And God wants us to have that relationship. So we should always know what it is to have a father. Yep. Right, and so it goes all the way down from God the Father to our spiritual fathers to even the family fathers. Absolutely, and even if you're not related to somebody, being a spiritual father to someone else, being a father to someone who needs that fatherly, that fatherly sure. Uh, uh, sure. Uh, accompaniment. Okay, so our Father who art in heaven. Now you're going, you're going fast now. Well, who art in heaven? Four we words. Got four words there, right? Wow. Exactly right. So we got who art in heaven. Mm-hmm. Now you know that expression where you know you, your origin, where mm-hmm. you come from, says a lot about who you are. You've heard that old expression. Yeah. You know you can take the boy out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of the boy, right? <laughs> exactly. Where you come from says a lot about who you are. So you want to find out more about about Tom Dorian, right? We we say, right. well, where was Tom born? Right. What kind of family did you raise up in? Well, you know who? What's his educational background? You want to know where where you came from? Yeah. God comes from heaven. Yep. Right? Who art in heaven. God, our Father who art in heaven. This says a lot about God. Yep. Now, heaven is good. We all want to go to heaven. Right? We, so we talk about our eternal goal. But importantly, we look at God the Father being in heaven, and we realize, hey, he created heaven. It's good. We want to go to heaven, so God must be good. There you go. Right? It says a lot about who God is. Yeah. Right? So you look at that and you go, wait a second. Um, can my God be... In Washington D.C., can my God be down at the county courthouse? Where, you know, can my God be at some particular you know bar or in some music right. Uh, venue? Right? No, our right. God can't be there. God's not in the bank. Right. Our our God is in heaven, and and this is where we we set our sights to that lofty heavenly goal. Yeah. And realize when we talk about God, who art in heaven, now all of a sudden, you know, this is an important conversation. Yeah. This is not, we're not talking lightly here. Now we're talking about God. Yeah. And it's even more important when we invoke the next phrase, hallowed be thy name. Right. Now, I don't know about you, but you hear hallowed, and a lot, when I was younger, I didn't know what that meant. I, I, I thought it had something to do with Halloween. It's holy, isn't it? It's exactly what it means. Yeah. Hallowed, like Halloween actually comes from All Hallows Eve. Okay. All Saints Day yeah. is, is the next day. So yeah. All Souls, Feast of All Souls, uh, I'm sorry, the Feast of All Saints is the next day after Halloween, mm-hmm. All Hallows Eve is the evening of All Saints Day. So, hallowed just means holy, yeah. means saintly, holy, and so holy is your name. Pretty holy, yeah. So, that, but but think about it. How many times do we use God's name in an unholy way? Yeah. How many times do we involve God in conversations that are not holy conversations? That's true. And we should realize that when we invoke his name, we're invoking him. We're making him present in our conversation, in our midst. And now whatever we're doing is now a holy occasion or an opportunity for holiness. Yeah. 
So we should also remember that in those times that we're doing unholy things, sinful things, he's there present with us. Yeah. Just because, hallowed be thy name, our recognition that he is holy is an important right. thing right. for it is us very to do. Important. Now, let's move on to some more parts of this prayer. But okay. before we do that, see, we've only gotten like <laughs> this first. Yeah, a long way to go, man. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's as far as we've gotten. And we're going to have to take a break. But I promise we're going to get to the whole thing. Okay. Right after this. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfrith's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the god of St. Boniface, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true god. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back at the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with my buddy Tom Dorian, wingman, sidekick. Yes, yes, sir. And we are still talking about Present. the Our Father. Yes, sir. Which we pray all the time, right? I mean, we we're, do. We're, you know, I do liturgy the hours every day and uh, pray the Our Father there. I, I, pray know, a rosary. Obviously, we do the rosaries. I, I do several of those. And, and then also when I go to Mass, especially daily Mass, we, we hear the Our Father all the time. Yeah. And so often we just rattle the words off and we don't really stop and think. 
Exactly. So here we are, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so now let's move to the next line, and that is thy kingdom come. Right. The first thing that, that strikes me here mm-hmm. is it's thy kingdom come. It's, it's kingdom. not my kingdom come. Right. Yep. Right? And that's something hard for a lot of us to realize, that we spend so much time listening to this culture that talks about have it your way, right? Yeah. Talking about burgers and, yeah. and just do it when you're talking about shoes and just all these. It's, it's what you want, man. It's, what about, yeah. it's all about you. It's, that's true. Right? And, and, and it's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. Yep. Right? And that's a, that's a, it's a significantly it's – a, it's a tough lesson to learn, but it's important for us to understand that there will be – a last judgment. Yeah. Right? Thy kingdom come. We want your kingdom to come. Yeah. Right? Where where you live, we, we want that. Yep. And we're talking about our future here. Mm-hmm. Thy kingdom come. So, and there will be a last judgment. The world will come to an end. Yeah. And we have to decide in whose kingdom do we want to live? Do we want to live in our kingdom that we've created? Right. Do we want to live in Satan's kingdom? Do you want to live in somebody else's kingdom? Or do we want to live in God's kingdom? I think most people would answer God's kingdom, but we kind of... But we invest and we build up our kingdom, don't well, we? Well, and isn't part of that, too, we're, it's, we're, it's our responsibility to make this world his kingdom as well? Well, that's part of our goal, isn't it, yeah. ev- evangelizing. Yeah. And we're going to actually talk about that because that's going to come up in just a second, okay. about the connection between heaven and earth. But but the point is we have to re- realize whose kingdom we're talking about Oh, here. absolutely. And if we set our sights there and our goal there, then that the priorities are taken care of at that right. point. Yeah. And everything kind of flows from that, right? Yep. Well, so thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And again, we're talking about... Same thing, it's his will. Right. I am not God, right. as you remind me all the time, Tom. <laughs> I am not God. Yes. He is God. He alone is God. Right. And so it's not my will. Right. And so what we need to do is discern, how do I find out... What his, his will, will is. Right. Yeah. Now, one of the ways we do it is a prayer. Yep. Jesus is teaching us how to pray here in the Our Father. Yeah. But we ask, what God, God, what do you want of us? That's usually a lot of our prayers. Like, what, what are you trying to tell me here? Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to discern his will for our lives. Yeah. Not our will. Because if we had our will, and if our will be done. Oh, it'd be party all the time. Well, except, you know, then we run to the end. You know, we all, and then that comes that judgment day. And that's oh, when, yeah. you know, all the, all the payments are due. Exactly. At that point, you know, the balloon payment. Right, <laughs> that we've accumulated over our lifetime. That's right. That's a that's a. It can be a painful thing. Oh, so it'll be ugly. Exactly right. So thy will be done, and yep. then we're talking about thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this brings in a little bit what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. That part of our job mm-hmm. is to make heaven here on earth. Right. And that's exactly right. And there's that special connection. A lot of people think that well, this is earth and it's it's evil and sinful and bad, mm-hmm. and and uh, that's it's flesh. And then there's spirit. There's uh, there's there's heaven, there's goodness, there's this ideal that's out there somewhere, mm-hmm. and that it gets it gets uh, beaten up by this sinful, evil earth thing. Right. So there's a separation between earth and heaven. When in fact God created the earth, the the, the universe, and everything. And it was good. And he he saw at the end of the, every day is like, hey man, this is pretty good. Exactly. Uh, he even said, hey, man, because there were some men, right. <laughs> a man he created. And right? he even said we were good. That's exactly right. So we're good. So this idea that uh, that the the earth or the ground or the, the flesh is evil or bad and that spirit is all good, there's actually a heresy there. Yeah. There's a connection between heaven and earth. And we as Catholics especially experience that at the great amen at mass. That's yeah. when heaven actually comes down to earth. 
Right. And we get a taste of heaven, literally a taste in the Eucharist. Yeah. We get to participate in in uh, Christ's divinity and God's divinity. We, we we share in His divinity, just if only for a brief moment. Which part of that is found in the Our Father? Yeah, and here we can, we, we're we're going to talk about that in a right. second. You're just you keep leapfrogging. Yeah. There's some good stuff to look forward to. There is, I know. Before we get there, Teaser. let's get to this next phrase. Okay. Give us. Okay. Right. We're we, we're asking. We, exactly. And why would we ask? Why would you ask God for something? There's two things going on here. He's One our is, father. Well, this is good, but we know that we can't get it on our own. Right. So you have to ask for it. Exactly. And we know that God can give it to us. Exactly. All right. So give us. So all these times, we these supplications help us understand that sort of nurturing and caring relationship that comes from God. The idea right. that he's going to take care of us. Right. But the key is here, we have to ask him. Right. Just like the prodigal son. That father was standing out there waiting on him. He was. He's like, I want, he welcomed him back. He came out and greeted him. Yeah. But the son had to realize that he needed his father and he had to come back. Yeah. And then the great reward, right? The banquet in his honor. Right. The clothes, the fancy ring, the the fatted calf, all these things welcome back into this great banquet. And that's us too. We have to come and realize that our father, we have to ask our father for things. Yep. And so Jesus then lays out these things that we ask for. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay. Now, as Catholics, we look at that and go, that just makes perfect sense. That's it Eucharist. Does. You're right. We're talking about Eucharist. Now, right. some who are not Catholic, who don't have an understanding of the Eucharist, see this more specifically as, as give us what we need to survive. Yeah. Give us the, our daily, uh, what we need. Uh, we, need uh, we need food for nourishment. We right. need sleep. We need uh, friendship and love. We need direction. We need meeting in our lives. We need, we need clothes to wear. Right? We need all those things. Right. And those things are all included, but see, for us Catholics, this idea of daily bread yeah. just plays perfectly into Eucharist. It does, you're right. And the fact that we can go and receive Jesus in the Eucharist, his, every day. His, his true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity, every day if we want to. Yep. And so Jesus here is given this foretaste of Eucharist here even in this prayer. Give us yep. this day our daily bread. Now, we get into this. We're asking still more. Okay. And forgive us our trespasses. Why would we ask God to forgive us? Because we know we're sinful. Yeah. We know, we, we, we know we, we've done things wrong. So we ask, God, please forgive us. Yeah. And we know he's the one to come to, to uh, with, with this need for forgiveness because only he can forgive our sins. Yeah. Nobody else can. It's yeah. only God who can forgive sins. And we also know that he loves us unconditionally. No matter what, God loves us. No matter what we do. Yeah. We can come to this. So that's why this beautiful sacrament of confession. That's cool that Jesus gives us that, but it's also cool that there's a caveat with the next line. Oh, my gosh. They are connected. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't realize this. That was a zinger. Exactly right. Look at this. So, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So, yeah, what tough. you're saying in, in essence to God is, God, I want you to forgive me yeah. just the same way that I forgive that guy over there yeah. or that guy over there or that lady over there. Ooh, so suddenly That's a tough one. Exactly right. So if there's a person in my life I can't forgive, that I refuse to forgive, right. and I'm talking about the people that commit the most heinous crimes. I'm talking about the people yeah. that have hurt us deep, most in a most deep and profound way. I understand it's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. But we've got to look at this from the perspective of God here and realize that we're praying the Our Father saying, God, I want you to forgive me in the same way that I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive this person here who I'm not forgiving. Big responsibility. Yeah, it's tough. It's a yeah, challenge. It is a big challenge. It's a huge challenge. 
But we also know that when we come to him in that humility, when we actually forgive, when we forgive someone who we thought we couldn't forgive, even if we don't ever speak to them again, but we, if we let that go, give that to God, yeah. our relationship with God is so much more uh, improved. Oh, absolutely. It's, 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 so, it's uh, that humility. It breaks us down and it helps us fill, uh, fill ourselves with, with him. Yeah. All right. So, and lead us not into temptation. Please. Yeah. Jesus is a good shepherd. If you follow the Jesus, if you follow the good shepherd, right, right, I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice." He said, "Right, and they know me. I know me. them. I know them, and they follow me." Right. If you follow Jesus, He's leading you away from temptation. Yeah. We get tempted all the time. Yeah. But usually, think about it. It's usually when we turn our eyes, we 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 cast our gaze away from Jesus. That's true. We put ourselves in that situation so often, and we have this great in our um, act of contrition. We have this great phrase. Uh, you know, uh, the near occasion of yeah, sin. Help me avoid the near occasion. Right. The near occasion means I'm putting myself in this place right next to sin. Right. right. Get me, I'm standing next to sin, but it ain't bothering me. Which goes back to help me not turn my eyes off of you. That's right. So if we if yeah. we can focus on, on Jesus that whole time and also not allow ourselves to be put in the near occasion of sin, it's so much easier it is. to follow him. Absolutely. And then this last phrase, but deliver us from evil. Right. Now, I always had a problem with the word but. I really did. It's like, and lead us not into temptation. I'm laughing because only you. No, I'm not the only one. Think about it. I'll, t- I'll make a problem okay. for you. All right. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That means either or. Don't do this. Do this instead. That's when we say but. So I'm okay. looking at that going, wait a second. That's a problem. Yeah. Is that just a bad translation? And truthfully, if we look at a different translation, it's not a bad translation, but if you look at a different translation, you see that relationship and understand. If you look look at the same parallel, uh, uh, the synoptic gospel of, of Luke to okay. Matthew, and you look at this in, in, in Luke, in that version of the Our Father, it basically says, do not subject us to the final test. Okay. So instead of lead us not temptations, do not subject us to the final test, but deliver us from evil. That makes sense. Uh, okay. We don't want to. We don't want to have that final test. We don't want final judgment. Why? Because we know we're guilty. Yeah. Lord, please don't do that. And only God can deliver us from evil. And that's the most important thing. This is the most important line of the prayer. God is right. God. He can deliver us from evil. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that w- that we would find ourselves in love with God and want to spend time with God. That is beautiful. Well, we're going to close our prayer. I hope you now have a greater understanding for Absolutely. the for the, uh, the the Our Father. So as we pray it, we need to pray now with a, a renewed understanding of the words. Spend time with those words and do that prayerfully. That's how we're going to end this show. Okay, is we're going to pray the Our Father, but we want to do it in a way that's not uh, super speedy and super fast. Okay, right. We want to slow down a little bit, and so we're going to pray these words nice and slow. Let right. them sink in. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stein, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe 
There's always room for one more at our table. 